Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone that this is a safe place. Now, we've all had bad church experiences, and it helps if we talk about it. Jeff and Cindy, huh? why don't you what? two get us started? Oh, no, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, well, Cindy, why don't you tell us what happened? Okay, so it was our first time at this church. Now, before we wrap up, Jeff, Cindy, I know it's your first time, but we like for all of our guests to pray for us before we go. That wouldn't make you feel awkward at all, would it? Yes. No, we'd be happy to. Come on, honey. Go ahead. Okay. Let us let's pray. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to pray. That doesn't sound so bad. It gets worse. For the homeless, for the people who have homes, for the people who built those homes, and for Sherlock Holmes. Give us bread, Lord, and forgive us our trespasses, because we were probably lost and we didn't realize that we were on private property. Well, it's not great. Still not the worst part. And there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Amen. I'm sure they know you meant well. They asked us not to come back. Man, that's just funny. Sherlock Holmes, come on, you know. Got to bless that one, right? Hey, um, I want to address the length of the series. Some people have asked some simple questions. Hey, uh, 10 weeks is a long time, but some of you have been gone, some of you haven't, and some of you are new. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I just wanted to address every bad experience out there. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, after today, we will have addressed them, we will move on, and now we're looking at brighter things, right? Uh, but if anybody wants to complain, hey, the bald guy on the stage is the one who came up with the idea, and so, uh, yeah, this is going to be one of those awkward moments. I just thought it would be a great idea if we talked about bad experiences, because here's the truth. Everybody's had them, right? Uh, come on, just show hands quickly. Come on, throw your hands up. Have you had a bad church experience? Come on, if you're looking around. Yeah, there you go. Honesty, pace, you know. Everybody else has got their hands down like, yeah, I don't know if I can do it. Yes, you, you've probably had one. You probably even had one today, right? It's just on the way to church. You never know. But we want you to have good church experiences because when you have good church experiences, man, God does something extraordinary. He moves you past uh, everything that's holding you back. And the next thing you know, you start and unleash a movement of your own. And that's what we want to be able to be a part of. And so before we dive into that, though, next week, we begin a whole new series, and because we know everyone's sort of doing this month of transition, uh, coming out of summer mode into school mode, you know, that's school mode, like no one's booing yet, but it's a school mode, you know, uh, but you got to get up earlier, you know, students, and you're just like, uh, you know, here comes the backpack lunches and everything else, uh, but we feel like it's very important to address some things in the month of August as we just sort of launch into, you know, school mode, uh, because we know some people are looking to get engaged into the church, uh, into our church, uh, and others are coming back from vacations. 
sports and everything that, that literally can pull us away from the summertime. Uh, but we want you to, to, to be here because we're going to address this head on. And we want you to bring others because it's important to put Christ at the center so we can begin to point and we begin to live together. And, and what we're going to look at is as we approach this fall, we're going to talk about where we want to go. Bottom line. We want to go with this idea, this series called Jesus and We. Jesus and we. And this is a spinoff back, if you remember back in May, uh, when we talked about uh, we, not me, as we launched our summer blitzes and everything else. But we really want to go after this and chase after this with Jesus and we this, this, this fall. And so as we begin a new se- se- uh, season, we want Jesus to be the center of it, uh, of we, uh, all of us, all together. And by doing so, we believe we, it can change everything. And this is what we've sort of come up and we've sort of, you know, have come to the conclusion is um, we know that there's, what, 7 billion some odd people on this planet uh, that occupy a little small tiny slice of history on earth, right? And there are probably, if we just do by math, you know, if you circle a big circle here in the central part of Kentucky, uh, south of Lexington, uh, there's probably around 100,000 people right here within a fingerprint, you know, just a 20-minute drive of Danville, Kentucky. Uh, and and we, we, where we live and we call home, right? And it's not by accident God has placed us here. God chose us and our generation to make a difference, but he doesn't want us to do it alone. And as we see and encouraged, uh, be encouraged by changed lives that can change lives, it literally can change the future. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about vision. We're going to talk about, you know, we're going to focus on our four, some of our four core values that will hopefully inspire you to be a part and, and be a part of our church in the areas of faith in the areas of serving, in the areas of generosity, and more importantly, telling the story of where you work, live, and play, of how Jesus impacted your life. And so I hope and pray you'll consider being a part of this series as we invest and we invite others to join us uh, and dare to take a risk and go into the fall season. And so uh, we just wanted you to be a part of this change lives that change lives, and the only way we can do it is invite you. And so there's where we're heading for the next couple weeks. If you don't like it, hey, um, I would love for you to be a part of it, but I understand if you just choose not to be a part of that one. But hey, dive in today. Here we go. So let's land the plane, right? And, um, and I know many of you have enjoyed the summer uh, and others, uh, just that we've talked about it even this week, you, you, some people love the heat because they just don't like the winter, right? Um, but you love the heat and everything it brings with it. Even this past week, you know, it was very sticky. This weekend is an amazing weekend. We've been blessed, right, with just a little slice of, uh, of just comfort. And sometimes the heat is so bad in the middle of Kentucky in the m- middle of August, um, especially in the middle of summer, uh, even this past week, you, you felt that the, the, it just wears you down, doesn't it? It just slows you down. You just can't function as quickly. And I know this past month, it was so hot on a couple of days. As soon as you walked out, you started to sweat. You know, and my son, uh, he had a cast on, so we kept him cooped up because we didn't want the thing to stink a lot this summer. But as soon as he got the cast off, he walked outside, and he was just like, what is this stuff accumulating on my forehead? And I was like, what? And I thought it was like bugs, gnats, you know, something. And he wipes off. It's, you know, and he's like, what is this? And I said, son, it's sweat. You know, and it's those moments of clarity that you just realize, wait a minute, we've made a mistake. We've allowed him to stay inside all summer. But, you know, it just does. As soon as you just walk outside, there's been days that literally just go, Poof. It looks like you just ran through a, a car wash. And, and you, so you just, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and if you've been working in it, it it's, it's pretty much challenging to get anything accomplished, isn't it, in the middle of the summer. And as, as hot as it is here, uh, I want you to imagine a place a little bit hotter in some months uh, and, and possibly right around the 90 to 100 degree uh, a lot of the times. And the humidity is probably just as worse or, you know, or, 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 or even worse. 
uh, er, you know, and so, and, and Jesus moved. Here's the thing. Jesus, when he was on, in, in doing his ministry where he lived, worked, and played, he was in this heat, and he was out there working and living and doing ministry, loving on people. He was moving from town to town, and they, they kept on performing miracles after miracles. They, they were loving on people unconditionally and doing all kinds of ministry together, and they were having fun doing it. They set tables like crazy and just constantly were setting tables to see Jesus at the center of it. And But one day, Jesus was sitting around with a bunch of his disciples and his guys, and one afternoon after a long walk to Caesarea Philippi, the conversation was of what they were, had been done, you know, with all the miracles. Man, man do you remember we, we healed that person? Oh, man, that was just awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, just, and then, you know, these, Jesus is sort of listening in, right? He's like, man, and you can almost imagine, come on, they're, they're disciples. They, they leave out some of the things, but, you know, some of them are probably like, man, what are we going to eat next? We're going we're to eat some fish. We're going to go down to McDonald's and get, you know, I, you, know you can only imagine, right? You know, they're just, sort of, man, my shoes are killing me. I need some new sandals, right? It's just the conversation. It's just so hot out here. You can, you know, you fill in the blank, right? And so what are we going to be doing? Hey, man, it's just too hot to move, Jesus. Can we just sit here for five more minutes? That's probably, you know, John. He's the complainer sometimes. You're just, you're just sitting there. He's just like, you know, man, can we just have five more minutes. Let's just rest. You know, it's just been really hot. And you, you know, some of the other disciples, the, the less important ones, you just don't hear much. They're probably like, can we just go to the beach? It's just really hot. Who wants to go to the beach? And, you know, they're trying to get everybody to go to the beach. And that's just the way my brain thinks. Because I, I, I can read into I'm, I'm, I'm one of these guys too, right? And, and you, you know, the normal stuff that you normally have in normal conversations on a normal hot day. And some of them just, you know, just they start sitting back and they're just starting to breathe life into each other. Having some fun cutting some jokes, and then Jesus just throws out this huge question to everyone who had ears right there and sitting around him, which is about 12 guys, and he throws out this question, and this question sort of changed the dynamic of the conversation, and he said, hey guys, hey guys, I, I got a question. Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? Well, that, you know, it just, it went from, you know, fun and loving conversations to full-blown serious conversation. And some of them, you know, just answered quickly. And they said, some people think you're John the Baptist. And I can only imagine Jesus responding to this. He's like, Jesus is like, you know, he is short, he stinks, and he's got a big beard, and he only has one message. Stop sinning. I got plenty of messages. That's not me. What, you know, I, that, I can only imagine that and going down. If you don't know John the Baptist, go read your Bible. Um, you know, and others say he's like Elijah. And he's like, oh, man, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty cool. And others say it's like Jeremiah. That's, that's pretty good. You know, I'd like to be like Jeremiah. And another say you're like a prophet. But, you know, Jesus is like, okay, so, hey, guys, I didn't ask what they think. I asked what you think. Like, seriously, what do you think? Who do you think I am? At that moment, the one who's bold enough to answer, if, if you know Scripture, Peter just, just bursts it out. And he's like, hey, man, Jesus you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And we find that story in Matthew. And what follows next is Jesus' response. And Jesus responds in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 through 18, and it says this. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for that was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Meaning, there's nobody here on earth that has said those words. But, by my Father in heaven. In verse 18, it says something that's sort of setting us up for this moment. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. My church. 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so today I thought as we sort of wrap up the bad church experience, I want to camp out on that a little bit because I think sometimes we mess this up. Jesus really did want to go one direction with it, but we sort of see this word church and we, we sort of take it a different direction. Now then this little Greek word called church in this verse really should be more, more if we use the, the words ecclesia, right? Ecclesia. And what it should really mean is, is church, church, the word church, equals gathering. That's what it should really say. But just because of transliteration and everything else, it, it, it sort of gets lost, right? And so we, we just sort of make up the word church in today's gathering. So this, this word church equals gathering is more of an ecclesia. Uh, and so the guys up there are not flipping the switch, but it, it is church equals gathering. And so uh, it's those moments of clarity that we need to be on top of things, right? And so, and so for, history, you know, for history folks and scholars, we, we should know when the word church, right? We should know the word church is actually what? It's a German word. It's actually called kirch with, with a K, right? And so, but that word is from an older German word that is actually from a Danish word that gets its word from a Saxon word that comes from a completely different Greek term that means, get, check this out, place of God. Not people, right? It, 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 ecclesia is about people, and, and this word, the way it's describing, is place. So, but when Jesus was saying this, he was not talking about a place. He was so not talking about, he was talking about a gathering of people like we see today, a gathering of people an ecclesia that would move. Now, did you hear that? I, I want you to say, that would move. That would move and share his message of love that he came and lived and died for. He did not, Jesus, Jesus did, he did not predict a place. He did not predict a place. He predicted people would carry his message to the very ends of the age. And somewhere along the line, we just, we settled, we settled for Kirch, not Ecclesia. See, his message was not about a building, a growing gathering of people that no one could stop, not even the gates of hell. The disciples were like, how are you going to do that? Because they could only see what was in front of them, right? And they're like, man, it's just too hot to move in the first place. Jesus, what are you talking about? People. Shouldn't we have like a temple? Because everybody in the back of the time, they had temples of this and temples of that. You're, you're talking about church, right? Jesus, no, 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 no. This, this, this church is congregation. These are people. These are moving forward. He looked right back at them. And he said, you, my friends, are the answer, Peter. You are going to carry this message and be my witness into all of Jerusalem. And as you carry the message until the, such a time that I come back. And they're just like, what are you talking about? I think Jesus needs some water, you know? It's really hot out here. And this very amazing thing is this. We who are gathered here this morning and those who gather around the world today are a direct prophecy of what Jesus was talking about on the hillside of Caesarea Philippi with his disciples. And I don't know if you get excited about things like that, but when I read things like this, I get excited. It's just really like, are you kidding me? That is awesome. We, what we're doing here is what Jesus was talking about. That, that's just mind-boggling. And when we do it with the right intent, oh, it's even better. So this is huge. I don't want you to miss this, right? 
I don't want to bore you, and we'll get into the sermon in a little bit. But, you know, it, you're like, what? Sermon? I thought we was in it. Uh, that was just a warm-up. So, uh, you know, this is so huge, right? That I don't want you to miss it. Now, now, years later, let's just think about this. Years later, when we sort of get the Bible that we read, William Tyndall, he's an amazing translation uh, person. He, he, he translated the, the Hebrew, the Greek, and, and into the English Bible. Uh, he, he was translating the Bible from Greek to English back, to the, in, back in the late 1500s. And when he came across this word in the New Testament, he knew, he knew it, was, it was a gathering of ecclesia, of people, just like me and you. And he, was, and he knew in his soul it was not a building in the church. But the Roman church, the leaders, the powerful people, right, the Romans, they didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that they would have to give up their power and their building, their prestige, because they, like so many others throughout history, loved their power and their place. And so William Tyndall knew the message of Jesus was, was people and not a place and that's what it meant in the Greek, and people will carry the message of hope, truth, and love. And it was a congregation of people that will move, that would, would do something that was so crazy and, and go love the world. And so the church at the time, the Roman rulers, brought him in. They prosecuted him, falsely accused him, and, and then they hung him, strangled him to death, right? And then after he was dead, they took his body outside and burned it. I know it's crazy, right? But here's what's even more crazier. His works, his Bible, his translations, about 75 years later, um, they, they, the people there knew that maybe he was onto something, and they started to write something. They started to get together. About 70 some odd scholars got together, and they started to write a Bible that maybe you use today. And that Bible's called the King James Version of the Bible. And so we get back to where William Tyndall was going with this, but they switched a couple words, and I really want to pour into this word today because sometimes we get it confused in our brain. But when William wrote this into history, he was right on. He was right on when he read that what Jesus said. Nothing would stop you. You, 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 me, all of us. Nothing would stop you from meeting in my name. When two or more are gathered in my name, what? So am I, right? So will I be there. And we are a part of this amazing thing that was recorded in history that has changed my life and a movement of Jesus followers that have influenced others' lives. And it has started when Jesus calls out Peter by saying, I am going to use you, Peter. I'm going to use you, and this is going to be the foundation of the church to use. The one who denied him, right? If you know Peter's story, the one who denied him who was a little rough around the edges. It was not the smartest cookie in the bunch, right? He acted like a fool and cut people's ears off. But Jesus is going to use him to change lives that change lives because his statement is going to change people because he's going to use us and not places. Now, here's the problem. In our Western world we call here in America, our culture, we have history and leaders to thank around the world over time. And we have people who have, have been using phrases that are completely wrong, right? Especially back to church Sunday. Makes no sense. Or what about this one? I go to what? Church. Or I've even heard people say this. I went to church. Or maybe this one. I didn't like that. Or you should go to that church. 
You see, in the first century, these statements don't even make sense because this is not a place. When Jesus said this, it's you, you are the church. Can you imagine saying, let's go to church to one of the disciples? They would look at you like you're crazy. They just would not make sense to them. They would just be like, what are you talking about? I am the church. Completely in disbelief. And so when we follow in Jesus, what he was saying, when he's putting in emotion, you are helping to set the table. You are helping to set the table to trust Jesus to grow and to change lives. It was the ecclesia or that movement that, that passed on Jesus' story. And it's unfortunate we have turned it into just a time slot on a weekend or more of a weekend moment like we experienced. They said, my favorite song is a great day at church. Or a part of history throughout our year, those who enjoy just going as a CEO, which is Christmas and Easter only, because grandma will be there. You see, versus what it really means to experience changed lives that change lives because Jesus set something so powerful in motion. He set you in motion. Because for the most part of my experiences, when people have bad church experiences, what they describe to me is more about a location and not a person. And not about changed lives that can change lives, but more about a service and the colors of walls and the gossip that happens in them. You see, I think we as a culture have lost the idea of what Jesus said when he said he was conveying to his followers on that hillside, on that hot hillside that day. When Jesus was calling out, you know, my wife Sarah and I to set a table, to prepare a movement. We had no idea what he was asking us to do than for us to be obedient and to trust him with everything. It was the scariest thing to do, but we knew it was the right thing to do. You know, Sarah and I, for, for those who don't know our history, we, we just didn't want just to have another thing to do on the weekends and to end the week. We didn't, didn't want people just to come in and to have another row uh, here, just to add another row and in a moment of experiences on the weekend. It was so much more. It was, it was so different when we, when we gathered in our home and, and we wanted people to walk away wondering, what was that? We wanted people to lean in and say, I don't know what they're cooking, but I want to be a part of it. And if your only church experience is sitting here in these places or these, these rows, then I want to say I'm sorry because you've probably had a bad bad church experience. And my guess is that you didn't even know you were having a bad church experience. The church is designed by Jesus to be so much more, which is all about relationships that are supposed to grow and mature with Christ at the center. And so we want, we wanted people to ask, to lean in, and desire more when, when we change what we care about. And we wanted to others to engage with us around a table. Through learning together what it means to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And to begin to become spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers on weekends. And if we really dive into the Bible and we look at what Jesus' primary message was for the church, to, to go out and be fishers of men, 
And to follow him was more of an activity of a movement based around one huge idea. My wife didn't like this idea. She says, totally proper in, you know, grammar techniques. Jason. I'm a teacher. You cannot use this word. I said, I, I don't know if it's. But I think this is what Jesus' message was all about. It was one anothering one another. I know it makes no sense, but let me hear it out, right? She's shaking her head. No, it's a common theme around my house. I could say that. I've been married a couple years. I know what not to say. Right? So one anothering one another. If you read what Paul wrote, if you read what James wrote, if you read what John wrote, these people who sacrificed their lives to spread his message, those who walk with Jesus, they talked very little about this meeting time on Sunday mornings, right? These gatherings on the Sabbath and keeping it holy. Because they knew, they figured out, they assumed that people would be singing songs naturally if, there is, if Christ is at the center of their life. I mean, it just is. You don't need positive K-love or air one. You're just going to naturally be singing amazing grace. How sweet the... It's just that simple. It's going to be a natural reflection of who you are. Now, if you're, you're into contemporary music, it didn't tell you whether or not to choose hymns or contemporary or to the most edgy rapping music they're out there. There is even screamo bands, by the way, that Christians sing. And I'm just sitting there going, what'd they just say? And I'm just being honest, but hey, there's some Christians that that's all they want to listen to, and so be it, man. I'm just right there with them, trying to do some headbanging, but I can't. But I'm going to support them because that's, that's them. And then he, you know, he says, hey, take communion. Take communion and do it often. Do it randomly and just enjoy the table that I've set for you. Don't set it up on a schedule. Don't set it up on this. Be more random and then just follow the Spirit. The promptings. And he says to pray for one another, to preach the word. And, you know, it doesn't say how long to preach, but we do know this is recorded. The Apostle Paul was preaching so long one day that literally on the third floor of a building, man, the guy fell asleep and off the balcony, boom, died. He killed himself. So that's why we cover up these windows, by the way. We do not want you guys to fall out the windows. That's why we give you some nice, comfortable chairs. I'd rather you fall asleep in the chairs and out the window. It's just that simple. Because I know I've talked long sometimes. Sarah gets after me on that one. But the truth is this. He assumed that people would be naturally gathering and one anothering. But the craziest thing is this. We forget the message about one anothering. We go into full out blown this. And that's not what he wanted it to look like. But if, the, if you really investigate the scriptures and you dig a little deeper and you start to pull back some of the layers like we did at the very, very beginning. We pulled back the carpet, right? We pulled back some of the things and we really dove in to some of the messes. But here's the truth. Jesus didn't have a mess. He had a message that could change lives if we followed it. And here's what it says in scripture. It says, forgive one another. Forgive one another. It doesn't say, I'm sorry. It says, forgive one another in Ephesians 4.32. It says, accept one another in Romans 15.7. You might not, you might not, where, can I, can I, can I, just, just, just look around. Come on, just look around. Just take a second. Just look, look down your row. Give me a time and a place this week that you're going to be around the same type of people. Some of you are like, thank God. But at the same time, give me a place in a building or anything that you're going to be around these type of people from all walks of life. You're just like, doesn't exist. You know why? Because Jesus is at the center of it. 
It's beautiful. Accept one another for where they're at and who they are, Romans 15, 17. Care for one another, right? Care for one another, Galatians 6, 2. It says encourage one another, Hebrews 3, 13. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21. Bear with one another. Now, that's a funny word. I've always thought that was a funny word, but it's like, you know, I I just want you to bear. You, you, You might not agree on anything, but man, put Christ in the center. I promise you, you can bear with one another, right? Restore one another. Galatians 6, 1. Carry one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 2. Now we're getting sticky, right? And this one trumps them all. Love one another. John 13, 34. What we do on Sunday is easy. But if we want to eat at the table that Jesus asked us to follow and put into practice, this verse right here changes everything. John 13, 35 says this, and this is... When Sarah and I really went down this road, this is, this is where we wanted it to be. This is where we wanted to really just focus in on all of our attentions when people were invited in. It was this. John 13, 35 says this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Sit in a row beside each other. If, if, if you go to, you know, soccer club to one another. If you just show up to one another. If you just do life with one another, no, 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 no. It says something so profound. We know that for God so what? Love the world that he what? Sent his son. So here's the message right here. This is why I think it fits. That's why I said one another and one another. Jesus, you love one another. It's that simple, but it's so hard, isn't it? And some of you are sitting right there, and you've had a bad church experience because of that verse because you've never felt loved from one another. And some of you blame other people. And it gets really challenging, gets really sticky, and then you church hop from place to place, never getting a chance to sit around a table. And it hurts, and you walk away. And you say stupid things. Come on, we just say, we say some really silly things, don't we? So here's the challenge for us. We can't do this here at our gathering enough for the outside world to get it here at this location. Our house where we live is not big enough for this to happen. And for everyone in this church or this place we call home base, which is the loft on Maine. We can't do this enough to impact the world on our own, me and Sarah. He's asked us to share with others who are like-minded, who want to be around the table. He's asked us, his disciples, to share with us why it's so important to do this one thing. And this is what we think is important. When you choose to do this one thing, it shows who you are following. It shows who you are literally leaning into and allowing him to change your life. And because this is so important, it's not just about showing up in rows. It's literally going out and being in the church. And it says this in Matthew 5, 23. He's just investigating a little bit harder. He's pushing a little bit harder into disciples. He says, go do this, and I promise you it will change the world. And he says this. He says, therefore, in verse uh, 23, 523, it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, so meaning if you show up to church and you just come to worship, get your worship on and walk out the door, but you don't change anything inside you, you don't change what you care about, you know, and, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, or you have, uh, you know, strife, or you have, you know, something literally that's it's, it's weighing you down. It says this in verse 24. It says, leave your gift there in front of the altar, and then first go 
and be reconciled to them. And then come and offer your gift. And then what happens is this. The bottom line is what Jesus was trying to say is this. Go love your bro before you go sit in a row. I mean, it's just that simple. That's what he was saying. Go love your bro before you go sit in a row. And when you do that, it changes the atmosphere. People are like, hey, why did he do that? And because you can share with them an enjoyment. Man, I'm just... I'm just tasting something right now in my walk, my spiritual walk that's so good, and I just want to put it into practice. And whatever it is, this is what creates movement towards God. And people will see something different in you. They just won't see another church building and people, you know, asking them to come sit with them in another row. They do not want to sit in another row. They want to be around a table. That's why Jesus was so about relationships that can grow movements and not churches. And that's why it's so important to one anothering, one another. That's why it's so important to one another, one another. But when we miss this, when we miss this, it creates bad church experiences. It creates environments that, that do not reflect what Jesus wanted to build on. And, and what it does, if we're honest, it hurts Jesus. And it hurts us because we see others walk away from that are really searching, who are looking and wanting more. And what we find out is even for the most devoted followers, the devil comes in. He sneaks in in the most innocent way, and he finds a way to steal, kill, and destroy any movement. It's not based around this. Because when it's based around this, the gates of Hades doesn't have a chance. And so today, I thought one of the ways that we could sort of wrap this up is if we could just end this series in, in, a, in a way that's real and kind of vulnerable. And we're, we've talked about this, and this is my wife, Sarah, if you haven't figured this out. Um, and some of our bad church experiences. I said I wanted to be really vulnerable and really real, and this could go really wrong. We've talked about this, but we trust God in this. And we, what we even know, even last night, you know, when we were talking about it, we got in a little small tiff argument. Because this is so real, what we're about to share with you guys, that we're afraid that maybe it could offend somebody. And that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is put Christ at the center and Jesus doesn't have a, or the devil doesn't have a, a place here. He just does not have any place here. And we want to see God only do something he can get the credit for. And so we, we decided just to, 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 to take a break. And, and, and Jeff, you got that microphone, man. And so if, if I could just you know, lean into some of the questions that we sort of threw out there. We feel like that one of the, the easiest ways to trip people up and some people to get bad church experiences literally is, is because they come in and they have their own vision. And vision's a huge piece of of, of, of what we talked about, and I just want Sherry to sort of share on her heart about vision and what it sort of looks like. Well, um, you mean as a bad church experience? A bad church experience, okay. yeah. Um, so for us, when God called us to do this, um, there's some people in here that's actually witnessed God calling us to do this. Um, it was difficult because as we came along, God gave us this vision for, for this, this movement. And, um, and we can't 
you know, when God gives you something, you can't stray away from it, you know? You, you fight it to the end. And um, there's people that's come along that we've loved so much and, um, and we've come to love. And, but their vision is different than what the vision that God gave us. Um, so then that becomes strife a bit. And even though, you know, when the strife is there, we are still called to love one another and still go through it. But um, there's been times that it's pulled apart. Um, and what happens is when you have two visions, what we said last night and what we talked about this week, is when you have two visions, what do you have? Division. You get division. And no matter how hard you try to sit there and you just pray and you just ask God for for guidance, if, 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 they don't put, if, you don't, if you don't center, you don't point, you don't live it out with Christ in the center, it's straight up division. And what happens is, is you know, with that vision, it sort of leads us into that next point, is selfishness, right? And so for us, we really looked and evaluated ourselves and, and just pulled back some layers. Are we being selfish? Is this causing us? But let's just... You know, I want you to unpack that word a little bit for, for, for your bad church experience and what, what selfishness looks like for you. Well, my recent bad church experience is right here. Um, it's, it is selfishness. It's when, you, you know, when you go all... I don't have to say this. This is, this is where it gets sticky for me. This is how I feel. This is where I'm at right now. Um, when you go all in and you follow Christ and he tells you, hey, go do this, and you go all in and, and, and you give up everything, everything that you knew, all the things that you loved, even those little kiddos that you love, you give over, you know? You give over your time. You give over everything that has to do with your life, right? And then you ask others to come with you. And then they won't because they hold on to some of the things that they love. And though it loves you, you love them, and you know that if they come, they would experience something so much greater than what they see right now. And it hurts. And right now, I'm, I'm struggling with that because I thought, well, if everybody else is selfish and holding on to stuff, I want to hold on to some stuff too. I want to do what I want to do. I want to feel happy in this moment. Because sometimes when you follow Jesus, it's hard. It's hard. It's really, it's just every moment you have to self, you know, just be like, no. I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't go there with my mind. I can't go there with my money. I can't go there with that because I know that will make me astray. And um, right now I'm dealing with that. And I'm so selfish right now. I'm dealing with that. Oh, well, if they're going to not do it, then I'm not going to do it. Um, why are we doing this? If we're not going to all want that movement and that same thing, which is just Christ. It's just putting everything into him and following him and studying his word and lifting each other up and loving each other and not looking at all the other mess. It's so simple, yet so hard. But when it happens, it's so beautiful too. You see it in people, right? That light, that joy, that singing praises and no matter what, just loving Jesus. It's something so beautiful because it's so rare. Because Satan has these blinders on us. He wants us to be so selfish. He wants us to stay with our own family. He wants us to keep our own stuff, whatever that means, from heartache to pain to all the way to your things, right? It all depends where you are. But God calls us for so much more. 
I know it's hard for me to say out loud because I know that inside I'm selfish too. And I'm dealing with that right now. But at the beginning of this, man, we were full force. We were ready. But along the journey, there's been pain. There's been pain. And pain kind of makes you kind of go back into your little hole. And that creates selfishness. And so that is my recent bad church experience. I didn't know others feel the same way. You go all in and then all of a sudden no one wants to come with you. And you're like, well, maybe this is not the right thing. Maybe I wasn't doing what, maybe I didn't hear God right, right? But you know you did. Because when he speaks, there's no, nothing like it. So that, that's the selfishness which I'm dealing with right now. And I would say, you know, when we've had this conversation, if we're just being really honest and transparent, you know, and a lot of people have said, you know, you need to talk about things like this. And so people understand. And so it draws clarity. But when we first started, literally, um, we were just trying to be obedient and, and trying to figure it out. Like, we didn't know what it really meant to, 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 to even do what we knew how to do modern day American church. This is easy, right? But to really go all in and make disciples, and so it's a sacrifice, a selfless sacrifice. But then you get to the point when you get kid number one, kid number two, kid number three, and then all of a sudden, a blessing, kid number four, um, hey, I love my wife. Uh, what can I say? Um, I am an honest pastor. Just being honest. So, you know, when you, when you, when you go down those roads, you know, you, you look around and, and, you, and that selfishness comes back in because you want to provide. We've talked about that. We want to provide, and there's certain things that we just can't do because we've, we've made some huge sacrifices to do what we do. And, and you know, I've, I've actually talked about this to some people. and like, ah, you know, I think you should share stuff. You know, for those who don't know, we don't get paid to do this. We have chosen to do this because we want Jesus to get the credit. And for those who don't get it, we've set the table. And the table's real. And when you don't get it and and it hurts you because of a bad church experience from somewhere else and you just come into something so real, something so honest, something so simple, we want you to experience it too because it's beautiful. It's changed our life. And so we selfishly want that for you but we also selfishly want things for our family. And that's the devil sneaking in. And when he does that, he causes tension between us two. But I can tell you one thing. This next word that we sort of talked about changes everything. And it's a simple word we've talked about already this morning, but it's the word loved. The word loved for us is, is challenging. And here's why. I think I should let Sarah say that one first. So now I'll finish it out. But Sarah, what, we talked about these three words. And so share with us, why do you think a bad church experience about love hurts us sometimes? Well, love is patient, it's kind, it's forgiving. You know there's no wrong. So when you approach that to love somebody, and you see past everything, you kind of hope that it'd come back. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
He wanted to come back because I'm a mess too. We're a mess. We don't need people to come point their fingers, tell that he preached something wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Some, you know, discussion's good. Or that I'm not doing enough. Or why aren't you with me? Why aren't you with my family? Why are you with those people? We love everyone. It, does, it has no boundaries. There's none. Doesn't matter where you come from, what color, what, what, anything of who you are. We are called to love. No matter what mess you're in. And so we just hope for that back. We hope, and so when it doesn't come back, it hurts. When you see people get mad and they just leave, it hurts. Because I, I would pray that the movement that God's called, the movement that was in the Bible, there was, you know there was things, disagreements, there's way things people see, there's selfishness, there's all that in there. So why can't it be a movement that just goes towards Christ, forgetting the rest of that stuff that Satan keeps popping up in your head? You know, every moment, it's like it's a fight, right? It's a fight, like, oh, they just did that. Oh, they just spent their money that way. Oh, they, you know, right? That, you know what I'm talking about, right? If we could just figure out how to get rid of that so that love just conquers it all. I can't, I can't imagine what God would have for this, this movement, how that could go across the world. I'm just saying that's our vision. And so with the love, it hurts deeply to watch those that we love go because... They're not getting what they need. Do you know what I mean? I would say in our discussion time and in what we've experienced in bad church experiences, if we're just talking about the word love, when you love somebody, it changes people. And and we can't love people. God's given us a love to love, Right? It's just that, that makes sense. God's given us a love to love. Because I am a very, she will admit this, sometimes not loving person. But God's given us a love to love. And when you love somebody and they reject it, it hurts. It hurts so deep sometimes next time when I'm just like, I remove the plate from the table. And I just say, you know, it's time for a party of two. I go against the mission God has orchestrated for us to gather around. But that's what happens when we get rejected. And I sort of understand it because I go back and read the Bible, but that's the selfishness side. That's the vision side. And it goes ultimately back down to that one word, love, because he asked me to be obedient. And every single time, no matter what happens, just come back and set that table for that person because this gates will not overcome it. The gates of hell. Don't stand a chance when Christ is at the center of this table. And so, Jason, you're called to love. No matter how hard it hurts you, your children will learn from you loving others. Your children will watch you love one another through the messiest of situations. And it will change their lives. It will change somebody else's life. And so we go back to four words we set in motion four years ago. When we got rejected hard with some friends, and it's just, it's just long obedience, same direction. 
four words that have catapulted us to share today with this conclusion of bad church experiences. What we know is everybody's had a bad church experience, but can we just come to the table together and just watch God do something with relationships that only he can get the credit for? And at the end of the day, it multiplies outward and people start to look inward and say, what the crap is going on there? They're just like, what is it? What seriously is going on? Because that person just a month ago was talking bad about that person. But for some odd reason, they're all over Facebook, now BFFs. They're, they're just living life together. And I call that the gospel. It's a table that has been set for all of us. And it's birthed around love. And so if you're not feeling love today, I just want to let you know you have a place You have a place right here. And if you choose to reject it, I'm sorry. I don't know why, but I would at least ask you to come share with us. Talk to us. Talk to others. Because I don't want people to walk away. I want want this to be the big, you know, Jesus, literally, they're just hanging out on the hillside. I want to hang out on the hillsides. I want to go fishing. I want to do life. I want to go roller skating. I want to go snowboarding. I want to go, I want to go do this stuff with everybody I can possibly go do. If you got some guns, let's go shoot them. You know, if we, if we go play paintball, let's go play paintball. I'm not going to go chase crocodiles or snakes or anything like that. But if you want to go do some fun things, let's go do fun things. Because I think that's what Jesus was doing on these hillsides. Except they were doing it in his name. And then along the way, man, they just started praying over people. They started seeing miracles need to be done, so they, they just showed up in mass force. They showed up with red shirts on, and they said, love loud now. And they changed the atmosphere because the table was set with him at the center. And so that's where we want to leave it. This might be awkward, but it's just true. I think that when God created the church, he just didn't create a Sunday morning gathering. He set a table. He set a table for us to gather around and to do life in a way that only, only relationships can be firm and connected through love. By loving one another. And so thanks for going down this road with us of experiencing an ecclesia, a movement, a table, sharing in the vision being a part of what it means to selflessly give your time, your talent, and your tithe. And more importantly, enjoying the fact that you're being loved on. And this is how I know that maybe you might not even know you're being loved on. This morning before the service ever started, and wherever you're sitting, we prayed over the chairs that you sat in. Every single one of them. We prayed over it. We asked God to move. And no matter where you're coming from, Maybe you got bags and you got baggage and you got so many bad church experiences and you're just like, nope, not going to do it. This is just another bad taste buffet. Not touching it. I'm telling you, when Jesus is at the center of it, there's nothing more fulfilling. And I'm asking you to try it one more time and see what God can do. So Jesus... I leave that 
to you. I'm not manipulating anything. I'm just asking for people to just sit at the table of love, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness. The most important is love. And with you at the center of it, man, I know it's possible to see a movement that can change the atmosphere. I know it's possible to see things only you can get the credit for. And I know it's possible because you dared us to dream with you. And I know back in the day they started a movement based off you. And we have drifted into rows, into a checklist. God, forgive us when you just asked us to walk across the room, walk across the street and invest into our neighbors and our relationships and to sit around tables and to talk about you and to talk about what God can do and to dream big with the big, bodacious God to change a culture, to change my family. You just asked us to come be a part of it and through obedience Long obedience, same direction. I pray that over everybody. And may we see something literally that changes lives, that changes lives. Father, that's my prayer. As we stand and sing songs right here in a minute, I just pray you start to move. People walk across the room and just ask for forgiveness and they start to love one another. And they see you at the center of the table. I just desire to you. I just, I just, I just desire to see you do something that can awaken a generation, a generation of people who are turning their backs on church because they've had bad church experiences. And God, you have asked us, you have called us out. Those who claim Christ, you have called us out for so much more. Allow us to do it change the atmosphere. I love you, Jesus. And I thank you in your name. Amen. So we're going to sing a song. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going through your mind. Altar's open. The table's set. It's literally your chance to respond and to choose to to enjoy the fullness of of what God wants to do with your life. I just want to let you know I love you and you've been prayed over this morning. But now it's your time to respond.